Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. Our Old Testament is record, reading is recorded for us in the prophet Isaiah, the fifth chapter. God tells a parable in order to sort of get the people thinking of an injustice. And then he turns that parable and directs it at them so that they might understand their injustice. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a fertile, very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones, and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, and he hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste, It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are His pleasant planting. And He looked for justice, and behold, bloodshed for righteousness, and behold, an outcry. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading is a continuation of reading through the letter to the Philippians. We didn't have our Philippians reading last week because it was LWML Sunday, but it was chapter 2. It's the call for humility among the people to imitate Christ, to have a mind like Christ. Um, But Paul is dealing with uh, people who would like to put trust in their own actions And so he says, listen up. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, blameless under the law. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him 
and the power of His resurrection, and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We join in singing ancient words. Congregation to stand as we hear the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our gospel reading is recorded for us in the gospel of St. Matthew. And Jesus uses the parable that God had told in the Old Testament and applies it in his context, especially to the Pharisees and the religious leaders who really don't like the idea that tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of them. Jesus said, Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a and built a tower and leased the country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent a son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do? to those tenants. They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read the Scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived he was talking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. And it's so wonderful to see you all here this day. Grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, over the last few weeks, in my spare time that I have in the evenings, I've been re-watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. You know, the, the good ones. The ones that 
actually made a story, a plot. Movies such as Iron Man, The Avengers, Thor, Avengers Age of Ultron. Now, growing up, I got to see all these movies as they were coming to theater, back when you actually had to wait for a movie to actually come out. Now, seeing them for the first time, you don't catch everything. You don't catch all the Easter eggs, the hints of new characters, or you don't see the whole picture. Not yet. And yet, going through the movies again, things are starting to make a lot more sense. I can see where they've hinted at one of the characters way earlier than what they wanted us to believe. For instance, when you look at the title, the last movie that has Iron Man in it, Avengers Endgame, the last one that ended this huge compilation of this great story, we saw that title was already spoken about in Avengers Age of Ultron. And you see in the scene where Tony Stark is talking about the enemy that is coming from space, for that is the final battle. And that character was to be Thanos. Now, why the need to talk about movies? Now, everybody does it. Some movies are great to watch again and again and again until you ruin the VHS tape and your mom gets mad at you. Great movies. Or It's not just to show how much of a nerd I am or that I grew up on superhero movies. Or to just tell you how, how awesome the Infinity Saga, the, that story of the Marvel movies truly are. That's not the point. The point is to get your brain thinking. So as you look at the, the title of our sermon, you need to see the whole picture, which I changed on the secretary, so what you see in your bulletin is not what I went with. But take a look. See that picture. You see bits and pieces of that picture showing up. But yet, if you look at the whole picture, you would see that what everyone's looking at is an elephant. But see, for you and I, when looking at the whole picture, it's a little bit easier. You and I are heirs of the promise fulfilled. We stand on this side of what Christ accomplished through his death and resurrection. We stand here, or sitting in this case, looking back. Looking back at all the promises that were leading up to Christ in the Old Testament. The promise of Messiah, the promise of hope, salvation, that a Redeemer was coming to buy us, and indeed has bought us back. To remove the burden of sin and give us new life. For you and I, we can believe that. That's easier. Because we stand on this side of the cross. For that is where our hope is. That is where our trust is founded. That is where our salvation comes from. For our confidence is rooted solely in Christ. But what if you never heard? If you did not know Christ, where would you place your confidence, your trust? You know, before Paul became the Apostle Paul as we know him, before he wrote his letter to the Philippians, Paul's confidence was in the standards of men. It was in the standards found in this world. Look back to Acts chapter 9, where Christ himself knocked Paul from his high horse and showed him the whole picture. That everything is about Christ. And we hear this written in his letter to the Philippians. You see it when he says, If anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day 
of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, and as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. You know, until Christ called Paul, Paul thought he knew everything. He thought that his work was just that it pleased the Lord. And indeed, in the eyes of the Pharisees, in the eyes of man, it did please the Lord. But all that time he was living and operating with such a narrow, limited view. It was as if he was like, like a racehorse and had blinders on him that he couldn't see what was going on around him, couldn't see what else there was. No, the thought that he was just one of the descended from one of the remaining tribes who wasn't wiped out from the land, having a family that was entirely Hebrew, or living with this desire <coughs> to win people over through his actions, through his deeds. All of it was nothing. The day that Christ called him on the road was a day that he started to see the whole picture. No, it's not this some giant 5,000-piece puzzle that you have to put together because you want to see the finished product that's printed on the box. The picture is Jesus. The same Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph and Mary, born in the stable, who spent three years preaching, teaching, and healing throughout the land of Israel, all while trying to teach these 12 men to see past themselves. This is the same one who died on the cross and rose again three days later, just as he declared it to be. That is the whole picture. And it is this picture that is in danger of being snatched away and broken into pieces by those who think they know everything. When you lose sight of the cross, everything becomes skewed. And everything has. If you recall two weeks ago, I preached on an earlier section of the letter of the Philippians, telling that this letter is about hope, it's about joy. And indeed, that still is the case. <coughs> but this joy, it's not found in the material things of this world. It's not found in the pointless standards set forth by man, which is truly nothing in the grand scheme of things. This joy is Christ. That is the same joy that Paul directs the attention of the Philippians to time and time again. For that is the same joy that Paul finally got to see by means of a gift where Christ himself revealed, revealed him to Paul. And now this picture is becoming skewed. As if someone threw mud on your eyes and said, hey, now look. Paul warned against this group, whom we hear called so often mutilators of the flesh, whom we know to be the Judaizers, who thought they, the only way to truly know Jesus was to follow the rules and traditions set forth by man, living up by their standards, not God's. Which is why Paul wrote against this, against this group, against having such confidence in the flesh, against putting your trust in something of this world. So what then is the confidence of the flesh? It's the material possessions. It is the standards of man. It is anything and everything that builds our confidence in the things of this world and not in Christ. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. 
There's nothing wrong with holding yourself to a high standard or being proud of the work that you do. Now, don't take this to mean that now you have to go sell everything and live in a box and wear sackcloth for the rest of your life. That's not the case. The problem that arises is when you and I start to believe that our salvation has been secured by the work that, has, that we have done. Secured by the numerous things that we have gained in the, or accomplished in this life, like the trophies that just sit on a shelf. This is what Paul warns against. This is what Paul warns against to the Christians in Philippi and what we here need to hear ourselves as well. And this is an ever-present danger. One that you and I will have to contend with from time and time again because of our own sinful nature. And one that we unfortunately are surrounded in society by this type of mentality. Where the joy that comes the joy that comes from faith in Christ is replaced with something, anything but Him, anything that is found in this world, joy that can be built up, and the numerous things that a person has gained in this life. If indeed our, if our joy is truly rooted in that, it's truly rooted in the things that we have gained, is that it? If that is the case, then there's no further need for us to continue here what I have to say. There's no need to look at the letter of Philippians. If the point of life is gaining everything you like, like a little pack rat, then let's stop what we are doing. Let's go collect everything we can. Our material possessions, forcing ourselves to live up to the standards of man and placing our faith, our trust, our confidence in the things of this world and what it has to offer. Wait, that's, that's not right. Listen as Paul continues in his letter. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. What we're hearing this letter to the Philippians is Paul reflecting upon what has happened to his life. See, what happened that day on the road to Damascus was twofold. First, the Lord called Paul and gave him a new directive, a new set of orders to follow. No longer would he continue on this path of destruction, seeking out the ruin of the church but become an apostle of the Lord, a mouthpiece to the Gentiles, telling them about who Christ is and the joy that is found only in Him. But the second was an act of mercy. Paul was finally granted the whole picture, all the pieces fitting together in one place, where Paul's vision went from this narrow, limited view to finally seeing that everything revolves around the cross. That everything has been pointed to Jesus and that everything we need is from Jesus Christ Himself. Seeing that everything finally makes sense. That was the day that the Lord saved Paul from his own destruction. A life that was being choked out by the desire of the flesh. And Paul writes the same joy in his letter. A joy that's not rooted in this world. 
not in the things that, can, that we need to worry about, what he thought he should have worried about. His joy is founded firmly in the righteousness that comes from God through faith in Christ Jesus. It is the very same joy that the Christians in Philippi are to cling to. Cling to this hope, the joy that can only come from faith in Christ. <clears throat> But others want nothing more than to take it away. And this is very same joy that brings you and I here together today. Indeed, you, me, and all other Christians have the same joy. A joy that does not come from the amount of things that we have gained. It's not found in our things of this world, the possessions. It doesn't come from the standards of man. Nor is it the false sense of security that is often being poured into our sinful flesh. The joy that comes only from faith in Christ. For you and I have seen the whole picture. For the whole picture is right in front of us. It's right there. It's the cross where our Lord and our Savior shed His blood, buying us back, where He rose again just as He promised. At the cross, the picture is made whole. Everything has been pointing to the cross. And now we are doing everything back to point you to the cross, always. You see it when we enjoy the waters of holy baptism. You see it when we enjoy the meal of the Lord that he himself gave us. Without the cross, all of it would be skewed. Baptism would be nothing more than just water. Up here would just be nothing more than just a regular meal. Everything is made clear in Jesus and what he did for us. And let us give thanks to God for opening our eyes through faith, who showed us the whole picture, that everything we need in our life is found right here in the work and person of Jesus Christ, who saved us from the nothingness of this world, who made us his own through faith. So as you go home today, go with joy, the joy of receiving Christ, the joy of seeing the whole picture. For in this world we gain nothing. But in Christ, we have gained everything. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings. <laughs>